0: All right, everybody. Hey, listen, if you guys would find a seat, that would be great. I want to welcome you that are here today. If you're a guest with us, I want to say thanks for coming out to New Life. My name is... Jeff Baker. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. If you're worshiping with us down in the gym venue, I want to say thank you uh, for hanging out with us there. You might be new as well. And uh, wow, what a great place to pick when you came to church today, walking into the gym venue. Uh, it's a great opportunity. It's a church within a church here. That's the way that we see it. Uh, things happen down there that are completely different than they are up here. Uh, as an example, they're sitting in chairs versus pews. They've got guitar driven worship versus keyboard driven. Their lighting is a little more more dim, we're a little more bright, Um, but one of the things that touches the inner core of, I wasn't talking about your character down in the gym, or your, you know, intelligence. Um, The room's a little more dim down there, creating the right atmosphere, that's what I was referring to. I apologize, apologize for that um, But the thing that touches the, the inner part of my heart Is the fact that there's actually coffee in the back of the gym That you can have sitting there, drinking it in the auditorium We're actually getting claps in the main auditorium for that So uh, that's, that's awesome I know you guys, you guys, you guys sneak in coffee You disguise it in the form of water bottles I know you guys Or is it just me that does that? Okay, I apologize. I apologize. Well, today we are going to wrap up our current teaching series, Red Letter Letter Revolution. We're jumping. Woo! It's a good thing we're doing it. We're jumping to the end. All right, we're jumping to some of the last teaching of Jesus. Uh, We've we've tackled a lot of hard things along the way, haven't we? Well, today we're going to tackle one more, and it's the passage that Jesus talks about: go and make disciples. You might go, what's so hard about that, Jeff? I've heard that message over and over and over again, haven't I? Yeah, how many times has it happened in your life? Yeah, see, that's the reason, that's what makes it a hard teaching. How often do you see the fruit of going and making disciples coming out of your life? That's what makes it hard might be easy to understand if you've been around the church, if you haven't been around the church, and today is your opportunity to hear, what were some of the last words that Jesus spoke? He said, go make disciples. So, in getting started today, I've got a little exercise for you, alright, so I want you to put your thinking cap on, <clears throat> I want you to consider all of the years of your life, okay, for some of you, you're young, you only have a few. Others of you, you've got experience, right? And you've got a lot of them. That was my nice way of saying you're older, all right? You've got experience and you have a lot of them. What I want you to do, though, is consider of all of the days you've lived on this planet and all of the things that you've had your hands on that man has made, what is the greatest invention of all time? What's the greatest invention for you, all right? I want you to think about it for a second. What would you consider to be the greatest invention? It has... It's impacted your life the most. And I want you to turn to a person that's near you. If you don't know them, introduce yourself. I want you to tell them what you consider to be the greatest invention of all time. On your mark, get set, go. Turn to somebody next to you, right? Tell them. There's a lot of people laughing. I don't know what that means. The greatest invention of all time. all right it didn't take you a lot of time to hopefully say it if it took you a lot of time to say it maybe you don't really know what it is all right you could have come right out and said a few things some of them i can't repeat from the platform i realize that some of you said things i'm not going to say from up here but many of you said things that impacted your life in a way that met a felt need. Now I will say this, from this platform in this auditorium, I did hear one thing that came from our junior high youth pastor, Pastor Ed. He said a lightsaber. Um did I did I hear you correctly? Yeah. I just need to let him know one thing. It has not been created yet. So um it's not been invented yet. But anyways. Beyond the things that you dream for to be invented The things that have really been invented The thing that if I gave you a lot of time to think about it Which the list could be long And to narrow it down to one thing Would definitely have to come down to the greatest invention Is the thing that's impacted you In a way that met one of your greatest felt needs That would have been the greatest invention Uh, There's been a lot of these throughout the ages Back in the second century during the Han Dynasty They decided, you know what? We have a need We're tired of making documents on by chiseling them into rocks. Let's make paper. That was a great one. Anybody else thankful that paper was created? No one? Okay, very good. Neither am I. I. Now I use an iPad, you know? And any day I can go without using paper, I'm happy. So I got it. All right. But how about this? They also decided in that same dynasty, in that same second century, that they were tired of getting lost. So they decided, let's create and make this thing called a compass. So the compass was created. Now we have GPS in our car. Some of you guys have a car that has GPS in it? Let me hear you. All right, very good. And you're all looking forward to the watch that has GPS so that you'll never get lost when you're walking around the streets of Kearney or your hometown, um, which will be good. That'll be awesome. Um, now, one of the other great inventions came in 1439. It's the printing press. That was the day that they decided. You know what? We're really tired of creating the document and then handwriting it over and over and over again. What if we mass produce it? What if we could, you know, create advertisements and newspapers and things like that and get it out to the masses? That was revolutionary. We still use things like that today. But then in 1712, we had the invention that cre- that, that brought a solution to a great need. It was the steam engine. It started to allow us to take materials from one continent, from one side of a continent, all the way to the other. All we had to do is lay rails and put an engine on it and then we could take materials from one spot to another it also set up the means to have electricity that would come the uh in 1876 one of the things that was a need was that we didn't we didn't like having to ride horses or write a letter it took too long we wanted to talk to someone right then so the phone was created all right how many guys are thankful that the phone was created anybody how many guys have a phone on you right now Isn't that phenomenal? It's awesome. I love that. That's incredible. Thank you, 1876. Um, In 1878, they decided, we need light bulbs. We're tired of burning candles. We need light bulbs. Anybody thankful for that? Yes. Me too. It actually, in a weird way, uh, the light bulb has probably shaved a good 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 pounds off of me. You're like, what does that mean? Well, it's because those candles that my wife burns in the house. You go into the bathroom and it smells like a like maple apple syrup or something like that. You go into the kitchen and it smells like peach cobbler. It just makes me hungry. So light bulbs don't do that. I'm thankful for light bulbs. Um, <clears throat> I I realize that you might be thinking you're thankful for light bulbs for other reasons. So am I. Um, In 1903, though, we decided no longer was it good just to travel by Earth, we needed to travel in the air. And so the airplane was invented, right? So a need, we needed to get place quicker, and we needed a solution, it's called the airplane. How many of you guys have flown on an airplane? Okay, there you go. Man, I'm super thankful for them, especially recently when I went to the Philippines and I was able to get over there and get back in a short period of time instead of taking the slow boat. Now, in 1941, there was the invention of the computer. It's both a love-hate relationship. Anybody else with me? Right. Right. Some days you love it, some days you hate it, but... Now in my pocket, or actually sitting in the front row, is a computer that's much more powerful um, in the form of my smartphone, and what was created back in 1941, which created the opportunity for a need, for, excuse me, it presented a need that demanded a solution, and in 1990 the World Wide Web was created. How many of you guys have actually been on the internet even this morning? How many of you are on it right now using our version app that you're studying with as we go through today's teaching? Right. How many of you guys have sent an email recently? been on social media. You've been on Facebook. You've been on Twitter. You know, you've, you've been on Pinterest. I don't go there, but maybe you did. And there's been a lot of use of the Internet. We have e-commerce that's out there. I mean, this is the way that we, we do life now. All of these things were created because there was a need that demanded a solution. Well, one of the greatest needs of humanity is the fact that our sin separates us from God. Our sin separates us from God, which creates a huge need that demands a solution. So what's the solution for our sin that separates us from God? God sends his son Jesus to live on this earth, perfect, without sin, and gives his life on the cross. And that sacrifice on the cross now takes care of my need, my separation from God, that if I put my hope and my faith and my trust in Him, I make Him my leader and my Lord and I allow Him to transform my life, then my life now is connected with God. What you need to know today, though, is that is a great need that continues. It was true thousands of years ago, it's still true in 2014, and it will continue to be true in the days and the decades to come if Jesus doesn't come back for his church anytime soon. You need to know that that need is still there. And what was God's solution to it? Well, now God's solution is Christ still, who lives in you, and he wants you and me to tell the world of the good news that Jesus is alive. And that Jesus transforms lives. And that through Christ, your life can be radically different. That's the good news. That's what Jesus meant when he gave us the command in Matthew chapter 28. There's a need that demands a solution. He said it this way. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The good news is, Jesus didn't give a command and then go, you're on your own. Jesus gave a command and he says, I'm with you. I want to help you follow it out. I want help. I want to help you accomplish it. It's the command of helping humanity have a relationship with me. So, how do we fulfill this command? We first have to go to what Jesus said when he said, go. Jesus said, go. Go, go demands action. To go someplace, you can't just sit there. It demands an action. And Jesus was saying to his disciples, I want to give you guys some marching orders here, all right? What I don't want you to do is, I don't want you to still huddle up. I know what your instinct is, humanity, humanity. Your instinct is that as soon as your leader leaves, you're going to huddle up and you're just going to hunker down and you're going to secure yourself around one another. When I'm asking you to go take the message that I just deposited in your heart, I want you to take it to the ends of the earth. It's still the same temptation today. We have the same temptation. Keep the good news of Jesus inside the four walls of the church. Keep it to ourselves. Let's not go if we don't have to. But you need to know something today. Jesus didn't Jesus didn't throw words around He meant what he said And when he said go What he was telling us was God's A plan Is to let the world know Who Jesus is His A plan Is to do that through you and me That was his A plan God doesn't have a B plan. He doesn't have a backup plan. He doesn't have some other thing that he's got brewing in the background. His A plan, and it will continue to be his A plan, is that you found a relationship with Jesus, and he wants you to go now and tell others about it. We don't have a right. We don't have the right to sit here and go, well, we've got the good news of Jesus. We we know what it means, that relationship with Him. We know we know what it means to you know, spend eternity with Him. If people want to know about it, have them come to me. Have them come here. No, if that's what Jesus wanted to do, then He would tell us go build four walls, put a, put a roof on it, put a cross on top of it, and wait for the people to come to you. Then make them into disciples. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, Go. You should be thankful that he said, go. We experienced this go part in some very phenomenal ways. Have you ever had to call the the fire department or the police department? Or have you ever had to call an EMT to come to your rescue? You ever had, have you ever had to do that? Let's just picture this. Your house is on fire. You call 911 and you say, my house is on fire. My house is on fire. Oh man, what do I do? They would say to you this, oh sir, not a problem. We have a firehouse. It's down the street and around the corner. Just take your house to the firehouse. They'll put the fire out. That'd be ludicrous, wouldn't it? Aren't you thankful that when you call, when your house is on fire, that they came to you and they put the fire out? Go put the fire out. That's the command. How about the police? When you had a conflict or something that was going on and you needed their assistance, when you called them, aren't you thankful that they didn't tell you? Oh, just bring your accident down to the police station. We'll handle it there. Bring your conflict down to the police station. We'll take care of it there. No, they even turned sirens on and raced to your rescue. For some of you. They came to you. Go and help solve the conflict. Now, the hospital is another story. At the hospital, you have an emergency room. And you could go there yourself, right? Right? And some of you have used that. But aren't you thankful for the fact that at the moments when you couldn't get there and you needed the service, that you could call 911 and the EMT guys, they went, they would go, and they would come to you, and they would help you right where you're at, and they would rescue you and meet your needs? In all of those emergencies, we're thankful, but people are willing to go. And one of the greatest emergencies we have on planet Earth is the fact that Jesus is coming back, and there are people that don't know Christ and he's and jesus said to us will you go so we have no right to sit here and go i know that your life is on fire come to the church we'll give you the answers no take jesus to them i know your life has got a conflict going on and it seems like it's falling apart left and right well come to the church you know hear a sermon they'll take care of you no take jesus to them and love them right where they're at That's what God's called us to do. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Going must involve a personal, intentional interaction with humanity. It's not good enough just to say, I go, Jeff, I go on missions trips. That's not good enough. That's just part of going. What Jesus meant by going isn't going on a missions trip. If you go on missions trips, praise God, they'll transform your life. But that's not what he meant here. He meant go in a one-on-one situation. Oh, well, Jeff, I go. I signed up just a moment ago out in the lobby for these bounce outreaches. ha, <laughs> man, awesome. That is amazing. We're going to have so much fun in doing those things and telling people about Jesus out in our community. But that's not even what he meant by going. See, someone else is planning all of that for you. The go he's talking about is something that's driven intentionally from you to interact purposefully with one other person or with a group of other people where you go personally and you interact with them. Going, obviously then, means it has to be outside of the four walls of our church. You might, well, Jeff, I go. I volunteer to work in the nursery. I volunteer to work in our children's ministry. I volunteer to help cut grass around here. Awesome! We all need to have a place of ministry. I'm not arguing that. Going isn't that, though. The go is getting involved with one person and helping them know what it means to be a follower of Jesus Intentionally on your own without all of the Organization without all the structure that we have to have from a church. It's personal It's driven from your passion to know Christ to help others know Christ Now can you use all the mechanisms and the leadership and all the tools we provide here? Absolutely, and I want to encourage you to do that But let those things be encouragement to you to grab someone else put them on your arm and lead them to jesus As he allows you to The other thing about going is that you have to know god's direction You can not just hop in your car turn on the car and go. Well, i'm gonna go on a vacation today Where are you gonna go? I have no idea. I'm just gonna start driving Some of you have tried that didn't you worst vacation of your life, wasn't it? Some of you were adventurous back in your college days, and you're like, no, I'd love to do that again. I know, I know you would, but it doesn't work with a wife and three kids. All right, you got to make plans. So going, you have to know God's direction. We'll take a look at this concerning God's direction in Luke chapter 10. It says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Two things about this while they leave that scripture up. I want you to be praying this type of a prayer because the harvest field is souls. The Lord is in charge of that. He knows where souls are at. He knows what the need is. He knows the solution, which is Christ living in you. And he wants to send workers into the harvest field. He wants to send people into ministry. He wants to move some of you from here out to North Platte, which some of you are doing and helping us plant that church out there. He wanted to move some of you from this auditorium down to the gym to help us plant that, and I want to say thank you to those of you that are still down there that are just worshiping faithfully and continuing to invite your friends. There's been a a lot of things in the the field, the harvest field, that God wants to send people into. But the next time you, you dare to pray this prayer, I want you to stop for a moment and don't ask that God would send anyone else before you start asking God to start sending you. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to start in making disciples, Jeff. Where do I go? You go back to the Lord of the harvest and you say, God, where do you want to send me? Who do you want me to interact with? You want me to go? Who do you want me to mentor? Who do you want me to life coach? Who do you want me to lead to Jesus? Who's in my life that you purposely put there that works next to me, that lives next to me, that's in my family? Who have you put in my life? Ask the Lord of the harvest. I guarantee you, he's got the answer. So the next time you pray a prayer like that, pray it about you before you ever pray it about others. God wants to direct your steps. He's the one that called you, commanded you to go. He's the one that wants to direct your steps to go. Does that make sense? The second thing, though, that Jesus said that, you know, we've heard over and over again, is that go and then make disciples. Well, one thing you need to know about the word make disciples is it's not just teaching somebody something in fact the disciples that heard are the the listeners of jesus when he made these the statement they knew exactly what jesus meant jesus didn't have to preach a three-point sermon to get his point across when he said go make disciples in some of his last words to his to his friends to his followers when he said go make disciples guess what they did in their heart i got it got it why because Jesus had modeled it for three years so You don't need three points When you've lived it for three years What Jesus really meant by Make a disciple Was he said do what I just did with you Which is this I brought you alongside of me I taught you the doctrine Of what it means to follow my father But I also helped you learn What it meant to conduct your life It's exactly what he meant I taught you the doctrine of what it means to follow the Father, but I also taught you what it means to conduct your life. So, see, discipleship is very simple. It's about teaching people what it means to know God, but also how to live their life in a practical way. It's both of these pieces blended and mixed together. So, you want to really know what it means to make a disciple? You got a pen and a paper in your hand? It's three fast things. You got to help people learn what it means to have Jesus as their leader. That's first help them learn what it means to have Jesus as their leader. Secondly, help people learn what it means to submit to, to Jesus as their Lord. It's an attitude of surrender. You're my leader, but I'm also submitting to you as my Lord. you're my God. you are my authority. I give you, I give everything to you that I know how to give to you right now. And then thirdly, it's teaching people how to use their gifts to advance God's kingdom. Encouraging them at times, inspiring them, spurring them on, rebuking them, challenging them at times to let their life be used to advance God's kingdom. Three simple, fast things. Make Jesus leader, make Jesus Lord, submit to him, and then use your gifts to advance the kingdom. So the first thing you need to be asking yourself is I've been called, I've given my life to Jesus He's He's kind of my leader He's kind of my Lord I'm not really doing anything to advance His kingdom Everything I do is to advance me So maybe the first place you need to start is Truly make Jesus your leader Like Truly be interested in What does He have to say about how you live your life? Really, truly let his word get into your heart to transform the way you conduct life. Because maybe for you, it's not a matter of believing in Christ or believing in Jesus as being God's only son. Maybe it's a matter of allowing Jesus to be your leader. Maybe it's allowing Jesus to be your Lord by submitting to him. Everything I have is yours. All that I am belongs to you. Every, wherever I've gotten in life I've gotten there because of you Submitting to him It is that attitude that he's stirring inside of you Submit to me He's stirring in your heart or Possibly it's You know what, you don't use your gifts to advance the kingdom you Use your gifts to advance you You use your intelligence Your personality, your character all, all of the talents and skills You do it to advance you You just come into church and you fill, you fill a seat But you're never using them to advance my kingdom See if you really truly want to make disciples you have to, you have to become a disciple And that's what it means To become a disciple Now notice I didn't say you have to learn Greek Right Or you have to teach someone else Greek Or Hebrew I didn't say to you that you, know, you have to memorize The entire New Testament Or you have to help someone else memorize The entire New Testament I didn't say to you that you have to be perfect And without sin I didn't even say to you that you have to have all the answers We make discipleship way too difficult when it's really quite simple. In different churches, they look at discipleship and they define it different ways. And I want you to clearly understand today, how does new life define discipleship? So to do this, if you're taking notes with me, we're just going to draw a simple pyramid. okay? Or what's known in third grade as a triangle. Um, And we're gonna we're gonna break this out into a few a few compartments here The first one i'm going to list out here is a tender Some churches read this passage that jesus is talking about and they say to themselves We know exactly what jesus means what jesus wants us to do is go make disciples by filling up the church with attenders now if that was the case what I would tell you to do here at New Life is I would tell you take $10 out of your tithe next week okay take $10 out of your tithe next week give it to your neighbor and you know um, sucker them into coming to church so we can make disciples because if we fill up this place we're making God happy this is not New Life this is not where we live we're not interested in just filling up the church for the sake of filling up the church you understand what I mean? We do want to fill up the church, but because we want to, we want to see people grow and we want to see people transformed and changed. Other churches though, they interpret that same passage and they go, okay, we know exactly what Jesus meant. You need to go make a convert. You need to get people to know Jesus. Just come to the church Come down to an altar You know like what's in front of our auditoriums Kneel down and go Jesus you're my leader And then we'll all clap our hands And we all walk away That's exactly where we live Well that's not That's not how we interpret that passage We think that that's still too shallow So where has new life been? New life has been at this place where We uh, have disciples Who Finish it for me Make disciples This has been our mantra This has been what we've This is what we've been taught Over the years and the decades Very faithfully by our former pastor Bob and Connie Wine They've drilled this into us They've sought the heart of God And they discerned that This is where we're supposed to live Disciples that make disciples. That's exactly what Jesus meant when he goes, go make disciples. Go, go, new life, incarnate in Carnegie, Nebraska. Go help your people learn how to take someone else with them along the journey. Let them be the instructor. Let them be the disciple maker. Take the, take the disciple making, you know, imagery off of just the pastor and off of just the sermon. Put it into the pew. Put it into the people and challenge them to go out and reproduce, replicate their heart into others. This is where we've been living. And we've been doing this pretty well. And we're going to continue to do this, and I'll tell you how we're going to continue to do this in a minute. But this allows us to experience the part that you notice here. It's still not filled in. What is, what is the pinnacle then? What is the benefit, if I, if I can put it that way? What is the, the next step for our church to take in, in when, it, when it comes to a spiritual uh, step of faith? What does it mean to continue following God in this vein of discipleship? It means to not only make disciples but make disciples that plant churches. Disciples who make disciples so that we can have disciples that plant churches. When you look at the early church the early church was all about that model. About making disciples and then sending them out and planting preaching points and mission spots and churches you watch ministries like paul as he went around and he spoke the good news of jesus and then what did he leave in the community he left in the community a small band of people with one person and he said you are the pastor here now lead these people and in some situations he wrote letters back to them Giving them instructions and teaching them the way that they should continue to live. This was the model of the early church. This was the model that that God has designed for new life. Why? Because we've been a church of, of disciples that make disciples. It's part of the next step of our, of our journey. It's part of the next step of our growth. It's part of the next step of challenging us and expanding us. And what does this do? This creates a vacuum. When you decide to take this step Disciples that plant churches You literally start pulling people up Like a vacuum It's pulling people up spiritually Think of it this way One business is successful And they need to plant They need to like have another location So the business that's successful says We're going to rent this space over here We're going to take this this manager From here we're going to move him over there Well as soon as you do that Then there's a hole over here, right? What do they do? They fill it with a supervisor, probably. They make a supervisor, a manager. And then over here, we need more supervisors. So we take some employees and we make them supervisors. Well, now we need more employees, so we hire more employees. So we take employees, we make them supervisors, we make supervisors, we make them managers, we take managers, we make them vice presidents. We take vice presidents, we keep promoting. It creates a vacuum, and the next time they, they move to another site, then the same thing happens. In our life groups here at our church, our life groups are are totally designed to multiply. Our life groups are designed so that one leader would continue to invite people and the members of his group would continue to invite people. And if you're new in this place, they would go after you and they would invite you to their home so that you could have relationship with others that are here at New Life. And when that living room gets too full... Then one person in the group, they say, hey, why don't you take these people and go to your house now and you start meeting together and you become a life group leader and now you invite more people into your home. And then when that gets too full, why don't you empower another person and you go over there to this place and you start a life group. And we keep bringing more people in while we keep promoting more leaders. The vacuum effect. When you take the steps at the top and you create more opportunities, it pulls more people up below you. I'll tell you this is this is exactly what happened when we launched the gym More people are involved in ministry today because we launched a second campus a church inside of a church More people are technically givers in this place More people are givers in the gym than they were before financially givers Because there was a challenge they felt that need and the solution was give more to god There's been more people maybe inviting friends since we launched that. Some of you never invited a friend, but you went down to the gym and you started inviting friends. Why? Because the need was there and it started causing you to take steps that you've never taken before. Some of you became more regular in your attendance because there was the need and the solution was, I gotta give more to God. It challenged you to grow. It keeps you growing. It causes that to happen in you. So if you... If you challenge yourself to be a disciple that makes disciples, then you are going to grow spiritually. Now to help you, to help you go from today, I know some of you in this place, some of you are actually attenders, like in the heart, you're attenders. We would call you, we would call you basically someone that needs to learn how to step over the line. And in the fall, we're going to roll out a whole new uh, Discipleship track to help you go from where you're at to the next stage. So if you're if you're a person that is yet to give your life to Christ, you need to be looking for a logo. Um, that logo is going to look a lot like this. Okay, it's called STEP. We're gonna have classes that are gonna be rolled out. There's gonna be life groups that roll out. There's gonna be things that come out. If you have yet to make Jesus your Lord or your leader, and you're exploring what it means to make, you know, to have Christ the center of your life, then that's the kind of classes you wanna go to. And that's, that's gonna meet you from this attender spot, but it's gonna wanna move you to this convert spot, basically. It's gonna wanna move you to a person that we refer to as someone who learns how to walk steady. This is a new believer. A new believer. So if you're a new believer in here, you've, you're a new convert of Christ. I mean, you, you've given your life to Jesus within the last, you know, couple of days to maybe up to a couple of years. Then you may want to be looking for this logo on classes. This walk logo. It's going to have stuff designed just for you to help you continue your journey with Christ. But maybe you're farther on than that. Maybe you're, maybe you're up here in this disciple aspect Where you're, you're entertaining the idea of a I'm a disciple of Christ And I want to figure out how to you know, make more disciples Well then you need to be looking for this run icon This run logo is going to have classes And things that are designed Just to help you continue that journey To be that person in Christ that you want to be Let's say that you're at a point where you're like You know that's that's good But there's more isn't there Yep there is more just like there was more to the triangle. There's more to your spiritual journey. We call it basically giving it all. Learning how to live with Christ at the center. Notice, notice our icon. The pinnacle, the, the, the top of your spiritual journey has the cross in the center versus starting with Christ in the center. Because we know that when you start your spiritual journey, Christ isn't always in the center. He becomes a part of your life. And we want to teach you along the way how to have Christ at the center of everything that you do. So, what's it really going to take to keep growing? What's it really going to take to for you to make more disciples? Well, I had a conversation with a friend of mine this week. His name's Jason Tay. He attends down to at the gym. And he said he said to me, One of the things that hits me, Jeff, when you say make disciples is a little model that I've been trying to live my life after. He said, what we need to do is we need to, we need to take more time to be interested in people instead of trying to get people interested in us. And when he said that, standing out in front of the church, it's like the Holy Spirit just hit me in the heart. And I felt like I do a lot of things to try to make people interested in me versus trying to be interested in people. I went, if that hits me in my heart, how many other people will it hit in their heart? How many things do we do to try to make people interested in us versus being interested in people? And how would it change you being a disciple that makes disciples if you stopped trying just to get people interested in you and you just started being truly interested in others? Well, before you think that Jason Tay is some great philosopher and he should write books, Then that was a joke, Jason. I apologize. But you've got to look at Philippians chapter 2. It says this. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others too. Very biblical. If this was our attitude that we lived by that we were willing to lay down our pride, lay down our guard, and stop trying to do things that people would be interested in us, but start doing things where we're truly interested in others, I guarantee you, you would start a revolution in your own heart, and you would start a spiritual revolution in the hearts of other people. To do that, you've got to love people right where they're at. You've got to embrace them right in the current condition that they live in. You got, you've got. you got to look beyond, you know, their current sin And you have to see their their spiritual potential You're going to have to do those types of things To love people right where they're at You're going to have to truly listen You're going to have to ask more questions So that you can hear what their heart is really saying You're going to have to find yourself truly praying for others You're going to have to find yourself laying down your agenda And meeting with people on their time and in their place Where they're more comfortable, not where you're more comfortable that means you're going to have to get away from the four walls of this church and go out and meet them in the highways and the byways, right where they live, in the business places, the coffee shops, in the restaurants, and in their living rooms, in their homes. Meet them right where they're at. Love them right where they're at. But love them enough not to leave them there. And we have to love people and be interested in them, not just to be an attender at New Life. Because when we make people attenders at New Life or converts at New Life, guess who looks good? You. It's not about you. It's about loving people enough that they won't stay where they're at spiritually. Loving them so that they see Jesus beyond you and me. That's what it means to be interested in people. This is the very motive that we're driven by in our North Platte church plant. We're driven by the attitude that there are people outside of Kearney, Nebraska, and a 50-mile radius around here that need to know Jesus, and they deserve to have a healthy church And we've been a church of disciples who make disciples And our next step is to be a church of disciples that plant healthy churches To replicate who we are as a church into the lives of others I'm so excited about it And some of you, some of you have already took the challenge And you're going to physically move out there It's it's totally exciting I wish I could tell you who those people were right now But you know, I've just, I've kept it, you know, somewhat quiet Um, But there's a couple of you that are wanting to do that And I just think it's amazing Others of you are going to want to go out there because you've told me and you, you want to become part of the critical mass You want to go out there and attend and you want to go out there and um, You want to volunteer to run a computer or to work in the nursery And you're going to hop in vans that we're going to take from here And you're going to drive out there and you're going to help us get this church planted Some of you are going to go out there and help us do outreach That's going to come up in august out there Others of you are going to be people that pray And you know many of you are going to be people that even give financially And about four weeks ago, on the 8th of June, I communicated a message where I I brought up as one of the illustrations the financial need that we have out there. And I never gave you a total of what we really thought we needed out there. But on that Sunday, where I just communicated the issue, you guys pledged $67,630 to help us plant the church out of North Platte. And those pledges were pledges that you gave to, you know, give between now and the end of the year. And I just think that's awesome. What a generous church. One sermon, one little illustration, and that's what God speaks to the hearts of people. And since that sermon, $14,727 has been given to help us plant that church. Dave and Tiffany are living out there. Their first day to start officially is coming up on Tuesday. The very first day they start, they've invited everybody that's on a list that we've called and gotten contacted with over the past couple of months, and they invited them to their house. I'm going to be out there for a barbecue to meet all these people that are interested in us planting a church in the community. I just think that's awesome. Day one, invite a bunch of people over to your house and let's start introducing them to who you are and the vision of what it means to have a, a church that disciples that make disciples and disciples that are willing to plant churches. I just think that's awesome. Well what is the real need? What does the need look like? Well to do that, let's let's look at something really quickly. What does the outside of the church in North Platte really look like? That's what it looks like. Now, this is what we propose that it could look like. Radical difference You know, more window space A fresher front to it You know, get some of the old away Paint brick Just do it as cheaply as possible You go inside the lobby This is what it looks like now You know It's, uh, it's dull, it's got old carpet It needs a new paint job You can see it from two different angles This is what we propose That it could look like Maybe something that looks a little more new Keep the ceiling in there because it takes too much money to put a new ceiling But put some new carpet in, freshen up the paint Put a little coffee shop in Open the place up with some windows Make it an inviting place Are you with me? I mean the kind of place that you would want to bring a friend to Right? Right Now go inside the auditorium This is the way it looks like now Now some of you might want to go out with us And you might want to rip that old stone off Because you've got just a real passion for 1972 Right, and if you do, if you do, we will sell you that old stone. All right, it's called good old fashioned elbow grease. That's how we'll sell it to you. You can rip it off there, and we'll give it to you. You can take it downstairs, put in your little shrine to 1972, and just love life every night. All right, it'd be awesome, it'd be amazing. But it's but we need to make we need to make something look a little more modern, a little more up to date. So this is what we propose just a very simple um, you know use some lights bring some sound system in our video system like we use in the gym something similar to it where the where a screen will drop all the way down to the stage and on Sunday morning you know whoever preaches here will be preaching out there um, it'll be live it'll be right there on the spot it'll be amazing it'll be awesome all of that takes money right now we're we're projecting we're estimating that the the proposed budget will be somewhere in the neighborhood of $135,000 is what we need Now, there's a difference between $67,000 and $135,000. But what I want you to focus on today is this. Know this. I'm not overwhelmed by the numbers. I'm more overwhelmed with a church that's been faithful, being a disciple that makes disciples, that's allowed us to get to this point so that disciples can plant churches. If our hearts here at this location in Kearney will strive to be people... Where we are a disciple that replicates our lives into others, God will take care of the finances. If we get all focused around the finances and get our eyes off of what Jesus said, go make disciples, we'll miss the whole thing altogether. If we go out to to North Platte and we just try to make attenders, we'll miss it. We just try to make converts, we'll miss it. That's why... Some might say to me, Jeff, do we have enough disciples who are making disciples at New Life to go plant things like this? If we all keep growing every single week, we do. But if we're just fat and happy and satisfied with what we have, then no, we never will. But God didn't lead us this far to cause us to turn back. God has faithfully led us this far. And as I got the, my hands on the baton right now as the leader, I'm going to make sure that we continue to be a church that is the disciples that make disciples with the outcome of disciples that plant churches. More people are being won into the kingdom right now because of churches being planted all around the world than churches that have been sitting for decades. Let's not become one of those churches that just sits for decades. Let's become one of those churches that plants churches and together, we continue to grow to have one church called New Life in multiple communities around Nebraska or wherever God might call us to plant the church. One church called New Life in multiple locations. So where does that leave you? It really leaves you back with the first three things I told you. (laughs) Is Jesus your leader? Have you submitted to him and made him Lord? And are you using your gifts and your resources to advance his kingdom? That's the thing that God's most interested in your life right now. And if you'll strive after those three things, he'll use you in massive ways to go. He'll give you clear direction and he'll help you make disciples that follow him. And who knows? Who knows what God might do in your life? Maybe God will do in your life what he did in the life of this church. All the way back in 1954 when a man by the name of Frank Sabatka pitched a tent in this community down on like 26th and G and decided it's time to plant an Assembly of God church in this community. And he started holding revival services and evening services every night for weeks. Started winning people into the kingdom. Then they started using a storefront in the downtown area and above the storefront they started using it for Sunday morning worship and Sunday school. That was the church planting model have Sunday school classes, and hold church. We do things differently today. It's okay. That's what worked back then. Did you know this? They started those in 1954, and in 1958, they they actually built the very first building down on H Street and started holding services four years later. Four years later. That's phenomenal. That's because one generation decided, we're not just going to let our grandparents set the tone for what a church is going to look like today, we're going to get out there and we're going to be disciples that make disciples. And because of that, you and me sit here today. Because of that growth, you and me are here in this amazing auditorium, in this amazing facility that's been added on to time after time after time by people that have a passion to see a group of a church, a healthy church, reproduce itself into the lives of people in Kearney in a 50-mile radius. And all I'm saying to you today was that was one generation. This is a new generation. It's our turn. And the and the, the call of God on new life is way beyond 50 miles. 50 miles was a testing ground. 50 miles was the beginning stages. 50 miles was a statement of faith that we've done faithfully year after year, moment after moment, decade after decade, and now the day has come. Take the next step. Go to the next level. Be disciples that plant healthy churches that transform the world. If you want to be in you don't want to be left out become the greatest disciple of Christ you can be let Jesus be your leader submit to him as Lord and use your gifts and your resources to advance his kingdom grow to the attitude of being all in I give it all to you God why don't you stand with me let's pray Father we thank you that you are perfect In all of your ways You're totally in control Lord you know exactly what you're doing You've been faithful in leading this church Throughout these last many decades Thank you for those that went before us That took a state That took a a challenge of faith Made a statement of faith in this community Pitched a tent And started preaching the gospel So that we might be here today May we be found faithful In this generation To take our steps of faith and the plant churches that are healthy, that are life-giving in their communities, that are leading people to Jesus, may you create that spiritual vacuum, God, that as we give, we can't hardly give away what you've given us fast enough as you keep replenishing it and you keep causing people to take the next step in their spiritual journey. Lord, there's people in this room that you're calling to give financially. You're, there's people in this room you're calling them to pray like they've never prayed people in this room that you might be calling them and listening today that you might be challenging them to move physically there's people in this room that you might be speaking to and asking them to become part of the critical mass that would drive out there on sundays and help us plant this church but there's all kinds of things that you're saying but lord i know one thing you are saying and that is every single person that can hear my voice you're speaking to their hearts and you're, you're challenging us to let you be a greater leader than you are now Let you, help us to submit to you that you would be our greater Lord than you are now. And allow allow us to give you all of our resources that would all be in your hands to advance your kingdom like we've never given before in our lives. But I know those three things are true because you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. You are faithful. And when you made your command in Matthew chapter 28, it was hard and it's difficult, but you still put it out as your A game today. And you challenge new life to go and make disciples. We thank you for that, God. May we be found the faithful followers of you. In Jesus' name, amen.